Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. It is our role as adults who, you know, arrive here first before our children to guide them on that path and to, to trust that they know what they need to learn and we just need to give them the tools and, and guide them along the way. everybody. I am so excited because I am sitting across from my frequent co-host, Bridget Maloney Sinclair. Hello, everyone. She has her <laughs> master's in clinical psychology. She is an unlicensed therapist. Yeah, in she, progress. She's also a writer and an actress, and you can see her on the upcoming HBO series, High Maintenance. Her episode will be airing October 7th. Mm -hmm. Check it out. She also has her daughter, Phoebe, who just enrolled in Montessori Preschool. And today we are focusing on Montessori. Bridget and I have been talking about it a lot on this podcast, and we are so excited because we have, um, we get like, the best guests on Atomic Very Moms. good guests. They're like, like I have such huge like mom crushes on all our guests. Nice, yeah. Um, I first met uh, Jean Marie Painel, who I will have pr say her name herself because it's so beautiful when it comes out of her mouth. I like destroy everything beautiful with the way I say things. Um, so I met her at uh, Dr. Shafali's Evolve Summit, and she was so calm and warm. And so then I started stalking her on Instagram and I loved everything <laughs> that she was posting. So we're going to talk to her all about Montessori and what it says on her website is, voila, Montessori believes that a child's environment is crucial to a healthy emotional, social, and cognitive development. Through private coaching, group workshops, and webinars, she provides the necessary guidance and knowledge to prepare parents to nurture their child's immense potential towards a healthy, positive long-term growth. Her Montessori and positive discipline background allows her to pinpoint your child's stage of development and become a, quote, translator between you and your child. Having this better understanding of your child will help ease the stress and unknown of parenting. So, Jean-Marie Painel, welcome to Atomic Moms. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Will you please you pronounce your name? You do a beautiful job of pronouncing my name, so <laughs> I don't need to repronounce it. Thank you. You're being way too kind. Um, <laughs> so I love that you have in quotes that you are a translator between us and our children because mm -hmm. I could use that on a daily basis. Um, I'm yeah. wondering if for all our new mamas out there who are listening and who are unfamiliar with Montessori, or with, you know, the parents who have older children are like, oh, well, that Montessori, that's the thing with the trays. Can you give us a little <laughs> bit of an overview? Sure, sure, sure. I would love to. Um, so, so Montessori is basically, for me at least, it's really a way of life and a way of understanding human development. And it's, it's a Montessori, we often say that it is an aid to life. So, you know, education is an aid to life and it is an education or, you know, a way of, of helping children guide children 
from really conception all the way through until they go to university. Montessori schools do exist from three months of age all the way to 18 years. Um, I think a lot of times we think of Montessori as just preschool, but it, you know, it really does expand that whole first 18 years of life. Um, and then you have wonderful Montessori adults who, you know, were Montessori children themselves uh, and you know, quite a few famous ones. But it's really about understanding that we are all born with this real drive to learn and to adapt to our time, place and culture. And that it is our role as adults who, you know, arrived here first before our children to guide them on that path and to, to trust that they know what they need to learn and we just need to give them the tools and, and guide them along the way. Um, and as, as, as we talked yesterday, um, you know, during our chat, you were telling me about Sabrina and how sometimes you're just in awe of what she is capable of doing. And so to me, Montessori is really about entrusting our child and kind of giving them the tools so that they can show us what they're capable of and really show themselves what they're capable of, because it's really the, the foundation of a healthy personality is that we, when we can trust our own capabilities. It's Bridget. I'm um, obviously I'm on board. Yeah, you're you're totally biased. Bridget. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm four days in, and let me tell you, uh, as an expert, um, no. But I mean, that's what appealed to me is giving my child a sense of not only self confidence but self efficacy, and that yes. she, you know, I think it's this is also I'm I'm barely. I've dipped my toe into the rye water, the the resources in infant education yes. or educating. Mm -hmm. But what appeals to me is the same thing with the Montessori method that I or the yeah, I'll say method that that I like so much is the idea of trusting even your infant or your toddler that they're capable of certain things. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. been a real challenge because the school my daughter's going to, she has to carry her own bag. So we've had to get her a lighter water bottle. <laughs> and um, She is potty trained, but she has to pull up her own pants. You know, she has to take herself to the potty. And it's been a very funny, like I had to emergency buy many new elastic waist pants that were less body conscious, that were easier for her to pull up. But she's doing it. And I've asked every right. day. And and every day her teachers say, oh, yeah, no problem. Or she, she told us she needed help finding the potty when we were outside or whatever. Um, but I've been so, you know, I think parents always realize their children are capable more of more than what they thought they were when they start school. But it's been so stark for me, even this first week of realizing like my anxiety. It's like, oh, yes, she will rise to the occasion. And if she won't, we'll adapt. But it's been. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I like what you say about the fact that you've had to you know, buy different types of clothing. And that's what it all is all about is, is kind of adapting the environment so that they can um, be successful, you know. And so it's true that, for example, you know, your, your example of the learning of toilet independence, well, we're going to need to help them with getting easy clothes that are easy to take off and on because we can't, you know, on, on top of, you know, helping them be independent to, to go to the bathroom, on top of that have belts and buckles and buttons to, to take off. So we're going to 
simplify that task for them so that they can be successful and then we move on to the next stage. And so I really, you know, I, I help families really set up the environment from the beginning so that, you know, an infant from the beginning is going to be able to independence and, and be able to move freely and all that, which is very close to RIE, what you were mentioning, the resource for infant educators, because it's really that notion of letting children kind of go through the motions of what they're wanting. You know, when a when an infant is 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 eyeing that little toy and is kind of slithering over and, and you know struggling to get over, let them go through that because the 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 power of confidence that comes from actually getting there and holding that little toy is just, you know, it makes a world of difference. And for us parents, I think we tend to go, oh, are you watching this? And and we go and we pick it up and we put it in their hands. Yeah. And that kind of defies that whole, you know, notion of I can do this for myself. So, yeah, very good. I need some help. Um <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm so selfish with this podcast. I'm like, oh my God, just help me. Well, you're very transparent. No, but this is all just, you know, a ruse. <laughs> it's all a ruse. More coaching. Yeah. Uh, coaching from the best. Uh, and so other mothers can hopefully commiserate and not feel so alone in uh, kind of the disaster that occasionally happens at my house. So our issue right now is mornings. My daughter just turned three on Sunday. Uh, last mm -hmm. Sunday. Happy birthday, Sabrina. Happy birthday, Sabrina. So let me walk you through our mornings. Um, you might want to sit down for this one uh, <laughs> uh, as a Montessori expert. Okay, so our morning starts with our three-year-old um, yelling, uh, I'm a mermaid. So she, she that's how she wakes up is yelling, I'm a mermaid. We come in. Uh, I usually come in. Uh, Dad's taking a shower. I start to, I get her dressed while dad makes breakfast downstairs. Um, getting dressed, she always wants to turn it into a game. And uh, it's frustrating. And I think I need a better separation between playtime and like, you know, routine time because she wants to pretend like she's a kitty cat. And, and I play along because I don't want the crazy resistance. If I say, no, you just need to get dressed. I don't think she'd ever get dressed at this point for school. And then we go down. Bridget's looking at me with white eyes like, no, oh, my no. God, this family's a disaster. No, I'm just listening. Then we, I'm not a licensed therapist. Then, I'm listening. Yeah. Then we go uh, downstairs and she eats breakfast, but it takes a really long time for her to eat her toast. So then by the time we um, get – she puts on her shoes. She wants to do the sunscreen herself. And then uh, – but we're not totally there yet. But then I hear um, Dr. Montessori like yelling from the grave. She's like, I can hear that quote of like, never help a child with a task at which he feels he can succeed. And Sabrina is like so sure she can succeed at putting the sunscreen on herself. And then by the time my husband gets her to the car, we're, we're just like nervous wrecks. So this is, there are a lot of successful moments we have throughout the day. I am sharing um <laughs> are unsuccessful, less successful. a less successful moment. What do we do? Where do we start with just, I, I'm telling my husband, we've got to like rethink this whole thing. 
um, with an actual routine because I see these kids on YouTube doing Montessori and at age two, they're like feeding the cat by themselves. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're chopping watermelon, cutting it up. For <laughs> they're like making their own lunch. Help me. What do I do? <laughs> and so, so, so all of that, first of all, you know, comparing ourselves to the beautiful Pinterest and Instagram is just not a, not a road to go down <laughs> yeah. because I think that there's, you know, a lot of you don't know what's going on behind the scene to, you know, to, to have those pretty pictures and videos and such. And it does take for, you know, from what I'm hearing, it's just, it's simplifying the routine. So there's, there's, you know, several things that I heard um, in, in your routine, and I'll ask some questions. For example, the sunscreen that she really wants to do herself. Yes. Um, is she able to stand in front of the mirror and do that? Yes. Okay. But so she, she has spots, but yes. But that's fine. Yes. That's fine. She's gonna she's gonna get better at that, and you can you can finish it up with saying, "Oh, here, can I help you? You missed a spot, and that's it." Because it's true that it's really empowering them when you are letting them, you know do that on the end. And the quote is never help a child with a task at which he feels or she feels he can succeed. Right. Because it's really, it's really empowering for them. Sabrina knows that she can do it. She's not doing it perfectly. She's only three years old, but she's, she's doing it. And that's, that's for her, you know, like I'm a big girl and I can do this. So, you know, just say, oh, look at, you know, and let's go look in the mirror together and look, you missed a spot and then, you know, help her with that. Okay. But but yes, it is important to to let her go through that. Um, the the you know waking up with the mermaid that's <laughs> that's also that's funny because that's actually part of of Montessori um, philosophy is the first six years of life we tend to try to give children really concrete information and and kind of avoid all the fantasy uh, world because they're not able to make the difference between what is real and what is not real. So she's, you know, been introduced to the notion of mermaids and it just fascinates her and she wants to be one and she, has a little she really blanket believes it. That she has and a little blanket will. that she puts her feet in so that it looks like she's got a mermaid <laughs> tail. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you know, it, it's, but this is, I find that this is something that actually, uh, if I may, um, tur- yeah. turns people off from Montessori. Like yes. I have yes. a friend who was interested and then was like talking about how there were no play kitchens or play food at the Montessori's they toured. And I was like, uh-huh. oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> because there's like, there's right. real food and real kitchen. Exactly. But the pretend play is not really part of it at all. And I mean, I, this is where I'm not, a, I'm not strict at all. Cause we still do a lot of that at home, but I know that uh-huh. this, for some people, people are like, wait a second. And I understand why. And the idea mm-hmm. of like, you've got to learn what's real before you can start experimenting with what's not. Um, but, right. but that's it. I'm just interjecting that. Yeah. And that, and that comes really from this notion of, you know, like I was saying, this child before six has a real, a hard time telling what is what is real and what is not real. So we're going to want to really give them real concrete, realistic information about the world that they 
you know, have been brought into. So, you know, elephants uh, either, you know, are, are out in the savanna or at the zoo and they walk on all four legs. You're and telling me they don't certain... fly? Are you telling me that right now? Exactly. Exactly. I am, Ellie. I know. <laughs> it's hard to, I, it's hard, but. but what for, about Santa you know, Claus? For you, uh, that's a whole other, okay. that's a whole other podcast right yeah. there. <laughs> that's a good point though. But, I'm very mixed. But, but for for me, for me, the way that I, you know, try to explain that notion is just, um, I remember being blown away when I went to Pablo Picasso's uh, museum in Barcelona, where you see his drawings that he did as a young child. And they were so precise and so classical and had this real notion of the concrete and the real. And from that, his own imagination exploded. And so that's the way I see it with the young child is that we want to give them what is real and they will develop their own imagination. And they do pretend and they do play and we don't forbid them to do that. But it comes from them. It's not something that we set up for them to pretend because, for example, the play kitchen, it's true that for me, I would much rather, you know, show a child how they can prepare their own snack and clean things up and all that. And they have so much fun doing it. And that is their play, but it's concrete work and it's really helping them to be independent and to be self-sufficient so that when they are hungry, they can go put, a, you know, some cream cheese or peanut butter on a cracker and they, and they can do that. And they still you know, have all this fantasy play on their own, but it's not the adult kind of imposing it, if, if that makes if that makes sense. And so would you say that, so you're saying that if they watch a Disney film, like if they're obsessed with Frozen, just say a random child, not mine, is like totally <laughs> obsessed with Frozen and pretends like she's Elsa and likes to tell me that she's going to freeze my heart. Um, you're saying that that's, that's adult imposed because it's... Yeah, completely. Okay. Completely. Completely. And that, that said, is not Disneyland. Oh yeah, what right? about, don't go to Disneyland, right? That's the anti-monastery. Um, well, for for the first six years, yeah. I mean, it's very and and oftentimes when you go with younger children, it's like it's it's a bit overwhelming for them. Yeah, it's so, so I would much rather. Exactly. So I would much rather, you know, take them in the forest, take them to you know the zoo, take them in the market where there's just real. Things, there's real smells, there's real things to touch, there's there's real language and vocabulary and all of that. And, you know, that's only six years. And afterwards, you can, you know, go and, and, and it's funny because they actually, they will tell you, you know, after six, they go, oh, that's not real. Or they'll, you know, they'll understand that it's it's all made up. So, okay, one so that question. Was, I, I kind of went off topic. No, yeah. this is exactly what we yeah. need to hear. Okay. And then we'll get okay. back okay. to like what on earth <laughs> I can do in the morning. But I, um, two things. When you were talking about them making their snacks, I will be sharing on our website some of your videos. I find them to be incredibly soothing. Just <laughs> to be able to watch you peeling a banana or, <laughs> or like wiping things up. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's therapeutic to watch your videos. <laughs> it's like really calming. I mean, it's bizarre for me to admit this, but like mm-hmm. any mom who's having a stressful day, like just check out these videos. Just watch our guest uh, yeah. doing these simple, but, but, practical yeah, tasks. And, and, and those videos for me, I really created them to to show you 
how, you know, it's important for us to slow down when we are wanting to show our child something. And this notion of slowing our movements so that they can actually analyze them and figure out exactly what we're asking them to do. And then the other very, very important notion of that is to stop talking. We tend to over-talk everything. And this totally takes them out of their concentration, of their focus on what it is we're trying to, to show them. So when we're, when we're showing them a new task, really try to separate the two and, and you know, slow, slow your hands and omit words, which is show, um, and you will have a lot more success in, in you know, them kind of getting what it is you're wanting to, to teach them. So that's, that's why I made those videos. Yeah. I mean, and that's a lot of so how helpful. we present. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoy doing those. Um, Should I but start? Go back. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I wanted to just go back to, to your routine, if, mm-hmm. if that could be helpful. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so there's the whole, um, you know, the, the whole thing of a fantasy. So I kind of, you know, went off track, but that's, that's fine. You know, you can say, oh, we're, you know, did you dream of being a mermaid and, and, you know, good morning, Sabrina, and just kind of, you know, bring her back to, <laughs> to reality. And then, and then, um, you know, getting dressed again, I think that there's probably more and more things that she can start doing on her own. So I, you know, really like to have a little school in front of a mirror uh, with her clothes out um, I often really only give them two choices of what they can wear. So I'm not going to open up the closet and say, well, what would you like to wear today? Because she's going to go for the mermaid outfit. Mm-hmm. So, so we're and, just going to dress put, you know, that she meant. Well, now I'm really, oh man, I don't know if you're ever going to talk to me again. She has this one dress that she, she met Spider-Man at a birthday party. And now she wants to wear that dress every day. And I think because she met Spider-Man in it. She um, might meet him again. He'll recognize her. <laughs> She's in there. <laughs> so, you know, yes, I mean, I think to, to have two yeah, choices wanna, is great. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be strict and, and, and say, you know, there's none of that because we are in such a, a fantasy culture here. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's just it's just part of it. But just, you know, kind of bring her down to to. And if you're fine with her wearing that dress, I don't see, you know. To no, me, there's no it's issue. Every single day, it's it. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Pick your battles. That's Pick fine. You know, if okay. if she's gonna if she's gonna get dressed, who cares? You know, right. I I like to wear my yoga pants every day if if Great I could. Point. You know, <laughs> great point. Too <laughs> sure. It's just you know sometimes uh, and sometimes you know we need to wash it and and, yeah. and that's fine. But for me, those are 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 battles that you know are not worth. Um, fighting for if they're going to help her get dressed and be independent and so forth. Okay, so stool, um, so, you know, mirror, two outfits. And then, and then really, you know, uh, letting, helping her if she needs help and being there, but, you know, trusting that she can do it. If there's things that are still difficult, of course, we're going to show her how to do it, but there's, you know, uh, probably a lot she can do. There might be the idea of getting her up maybe 10 minutes earlier to I mean, go I'm through this routine. Like 30 minutes you know? earlier because of the sunscreen. <clears throat> but, you know, whatever time you think is, is right. best, but sometimes, you know, if we feel that we're rushed, 
that's you know we we control that so mm-hmm. uh doing that that's and a great then, point uh, by the way if we feel rushed we're the ones who control that like that's on us totally yeah totally yeah, we control the environment, you know, we control the, the environment, the time, the routine. There, there's, there, I always remind parents that there's three things that we have absolutely no control over. And you probably think there's a lot more and there are, but three main things, which is sleep, food, and toileting. <clears throat> and those are three things that we cannot force a child to do. But what we can do is the time that we give it, the routine that we establish, and just the, the environment that we set up for them to be successful. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, you know, and definitely, yeah. well, I mean, this is part of the environment, but I find, granted, we've had a pretty easy time with those three things, and I don't credit uh-huh. myself. I think she, she came ready to do those things. Um, uh-huh. But also the energy around them. I mean, especially with food and our limited struggles when like this morning she only wanted to eat turkey bacon and my husband was like that's protein but it's not enough fuel for the day (laughs) it's like negotiating with her and like she's two and a half you know and like the more frustrated he became the more she was like pretending to gag when she looked at the eggs and stuff so you know it's like that energy is not conducive to like a full breakfast you know there's only so much you can lead a toddler to breakfast but, but, but the only thing, you know, but the only thing that you can do is make sure that you always offer good foods mm-hmm. and they will eat to their satisfaction. They will never let themselves starve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she will eat something. She will have a bigger snack at school when she gets there. It's okay. You know, for me, those, again, those are things that as long as we offer quality, real food, and, you know, let them know what's there. The rest is is kind of up to them. They're listening to their bodies. They are so much smarter than us in, in that uh, being kind of, you know, having that mind-body relationship where they know what they need. And maybe this morning that's all she needed mm-hmm. was just a little bit of protein to get her, you know, her, her body going. And, and she will... Uh, you know, satisfies the, the next need at school or at lunch. So for me, the, the one thing that really helped me when I was a young parent is my pediatrician had explained that um, nutrition, we tend to think as adults that we have to have a plate with all, you know, completely nutritious with all the different elements. But a young child, usually that is in a four or five day Mm-hmm. So they might, you know, they might just like go crazy on protein one day and then the next day it's going to be all fiber and, and grain or whatever. So as long as we offer the real food, the quality food and let them make those choices and that they eat at, you know, regular times of day and, and all of that, then they are, they're fine. They will never let themselves starve, you know? Uh, so that's, that's, again, it's another battle that we choose to fight or not. And like you're saying, you know, then we end up getting upset and then we have an energy around that and they resist us. They, they, they're, they're smart little beings. Thank you so much <laughs> you know? for clearing that up for us. I know so many mothers have so much anxiety around food with their children and whether or not can my kids survive on cheese and bread for the next year? <laughs> I mean, I did it for many years. <laughs> 
We'll be right back with a question from a longtime listener. A longtime listener and guest on Atomic Moms, actress Claire Coffey, who Bridget and I are very close with, um, and our listeners can catch her on Grimm every week. She uh, sent me a question from Portland, Oregon. Uh, she'd like to know, when looking at schools, what's the easiest way to determine during a short tour if the place is staying true to Maria Montessori's principles in the curriculum? Beautiful question. Yeah, Beautiful question. question. Yeah, and, and one that I'd like to to answer because it's true that there are many, many Montessori schools and there are many Montessori something schools. So <laughs> I'd like to I like to always clarify that. And it's true that um, you know, the Montessori method was never really copyrighted. It's just she, you know, she uh, shared with the world what she had discovered, and and uh, so there are there are, I guess there's a few red flags for me that are really important. One of them is uh, depending on your age group, it's really this notion of mixed ages. The classrooms you should see young children and older children all together in the same environment. Um, for example, the what we call the primary or maybe the some people call it the casa, the children's house is really two and a half to six years of age. And they stay in that same environment for three years. So you have an influx of different ages, which makes it for a beautiful social um, interaction, really like the family with the older siblings helping the younger ones, the younger ones, you know, uh, anticipating and looking up to the older ones and knowing what work they're going to get to do in a few months and such. So that would be a really big one. And I've, I've seen, I've visited some schools that have, you know, the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds and the four-year-olds all separated. So that that's a big red flag right there. The other one is really this notion of protecting our children's concentration and our children's flow. And what I mean by that is that um, children are born with a hundred billion neurons just waiting to make connections. And it is through those moments of deep concentration that those connections are being made. In traditional schools, we tend to interrupt our children constantly. We're telling them to move from one station to the other. We're telling them to put their things away so that they can go do music or math or, or whatever. So a authentic Montessori classroom, you are just going to see children working independently on things. And you're going to have a two-and-a-half, three-hour uh, work period where children are really in their flow, where they're choosing their work, they're focusing on it, they're cleaning up, they're putting it back, they're maybe chit-chatting with a friend and then choosing another work, and they're just in their flow. So again, if you have a school that you're visiting and they're you know, proud to tell you that in the morning they have uh, music and dance and yoga and this, to me that's a red flag because there's a misunderstanding of the child's needs. So that would be um, two of the bigger ones. Um, the other one is this real notion of freedom of movement, meaning that the child is uh, free to move about. We don't, um, 
you know, ask children to sit at a desk for any amount of time. Children can choose to take work and go sit at a table or sit on a rug or the classroom I had um, in San Diego, I had a beautiful outdoor environment. They could go outside and work. So it's really that notion of a freedom of movement, of using movement uh, in the lessons as well, you know, that the adult is going to really engage them in uh, you know, going to the other end of the classroom to do a math activity and such because we understand the importance of physical activity on, on brain development. Um, so those would be some. The other one was the one about reality uh, before six years of age. Uh, I would tend to want to see a classroom that is really about, um, you know, the, the realistic and, and concrete information. Um, that would be one. And just a beautiful environment, a very peaceful environment that is really set up for the child. So it's what we call the prepared environment. Uh, there should be, you know, minimal clutter on the walls, uh, beautiful artwork that is put down at the child's eye level. Um, and just a real sense of order and organization in the environment. And those would be things that you would really catch on when you do do a quick tour. But I would also recommend that if you, you know, like that school, you see what you, you like, what you see to ask to stay and observe for at least 20 minutes, because I think what is really important here is no matter what type of school you choose, you need to get a feel of what that environment is like. You need to get a feel of, you know, the energy of the adults that are going to be with your child. You know your child better than anybody else. And you're going to get, you know, a sense of, of if they will really thrive in that environment. So taking the time to observe if you can. I love that you also, you know, bring this to our homes um, because, you know, Kids can be introduced to this at school, but if we're not walking the walk at home, it's got to be very confusing for children. So I think it's incredible that you coach families um, and kind of help us, you know, figure out what we can do at home so that they can thrive in the school environment. Yeah, and and that's really, you know, the 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 basis of of, of Lala Montessori. I mean, why I created it because. Um, and, and being a, a, you know, a parenting mentor is to me, I was getting so many questions from parents as to why their child was so different in the prepared environment that they were at home. And when you start asking, well, you know, do you have, uh, do you have a little picture where they can pour themselves a glass of water? Do you, you know, is there something down low at their muzzle? Do you have a stool in front of a mirror so they can you know, put their shoes on successfully, all, all those things. And you realize that we have very little um, knowledge or, or training of how to prepare our home for these little humans that have different needs than ours. You know, it's really about inviting a, a special guest into our home. And, and I always think of it, you know, when we have a, a guest that comes from out of town, we're always, you know, we're going to get a special bouquet of flowers and fluff up the bed and, and, you know, really make it special. Well, it's the same thing for that child. They're just going to stay around a little longer than the <laughs> out of town guest. But, Hopefully you know, on both accounts. Yeah. <laughs> 
we just need to prepare it for them to to be successful. I often times tell parents, um, you know, whether they're expecting parents or uh, parents of of, um, young children is, is, you know, get down and crawl around your home, like see it from their perspective and see what there, where they could go to, where you could place things that would be, uh, you know, inviting them to, to move and, and, and so forth. So it's really about uh, looking at our environment from the child's perspective. I love talking on Atomic Moms about our guests' parents uh, and seeing how um, their parents have influenced them throughout life. And you have a fascinating mother. Uh, my jaw sort of dropped when I read her bio. She was the first recipient of the Margaret Mead World Citizen Award. She visited the White House at the invitation of Presidents Ford, Carter, and Clinton. She wrote Third World Women Speak Out, interviews in six countries. She was the director of public affairs for the International Planned Parenthood Federation, director of the Global Family Project from 91 to 96. She served as Peace Corps country director for Mali from 97 to 99 and for Bulgaria from 99 to 2000, along with many other things. And um, I'm wondering, first of all, Mothers often struggle with the tension between, you know, being there for their children and at the same time making an impact in the world. And I'm wondering, did you find that with your own mother? Like, was she able to save the world while being present with you or or, or what was that like? It was amazing. It was amazing. And, and I miss her dearly. She She's no longer with us. But um she, I think she was in a huge influence on me on just, you know, observing and looking at the world and uh, really kind of stepping into what your passion is and, and mine being children and really, you know, having discovered Montessori maybe a little late in my parenting career, really wanting to share that with everybody. But um, what I I will say that really influenced me with my mother is this notion of she um, didn't try to fit me in a mold. And she was very supportive of, you know, the the child that I was and and different from my siblings. And, And we, you know, I have two other siblings from her. We were all very different. And she really, um, let it be who we all, you know, three wanted to be. And one thing that I think really was a big uh, shift for me was when I was 17, she, we were living in San Diego and uh, she was offered the position at the Peace Corps to be one of the first women to run uh, a whole region in the Peace Corps. And so this involved... Bridget and I are really like, oh my God, this is so cool. (laughs) And and so it it meant that she needed to move back to Washington, D.C. And I was a senior in high school. And so she said, you know, uh, I really want to take this job. She had been she had been at home writing her book, uh, Third World Women Speak Out, and then Message from the Village and, and all of this. And, and so uh, her passion was to give 
uh, a voice to women that we didn't bother listening to at the time. So that was her big thing. And so she was offered this job at the Peace Corps and it was like, wow, you know, great opportunity, but she needed to move back to Washington. And so for me, she sat me down and she said, okay, you know, you can stay here and finish your senior year and live with your grandmother, her, her mom, or you can come to Washington with me and try to get into high school. But, you know, it was November. I was a senior and so forth. Or, you know what? You could just drop out for the year and come travel the world with me. I have to do a five-week diplomatic tour. And uh, I want you to get a, get a volunteer job while you're waiting for me to prepare the job, the, the trip. And uh, I also would like you to brief me on all the countries that we are going to be visiting. Uh, what did you choose? Uh, I was like, <laughs> what did I choose? What did I choose? I got a volunteer job at the National Children's Museum in Washington, D.C., and I would spend my afternoons at the National Geographic Library reading up on all the countries we were going to go visit. And it was the most amazing opportunity to, you know, be my own guide. I mean, she trusted that this, you know, I could make those choices and I made the right choice. And I did this amazing, you know, five-week trip with her. I did go back to high school the following year as an 18-year-old who had, you know, gone around the world. So I was a little bit out of step, but that was fine. <laughs> and and it was just, you know, those things. And I remember on that trip because, you know, it was her official trip kind of, you know, to, to visit all the countries that she was directing. Um, I, you know, got royal treatment where the Peace Corps volunteers would take me to all the places they were working at. And uh, some were orphanages and, you know, some were leprosy colonies. I mean, it was, it was just amazing for a 17 year old to be able to experience all that. And I think it really gave me that opening on the world and just gave me this real passion to want to make a difference and um, that, you know, we're all very special. So, yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Uh -huh. Often we share a mom session, which is something that we are currently obsessed with. And I would like to share your upcoming summit, the Be the Best Parent You Can Be video summit. It's going to be free, everybody. It's a 21-day uh, summit featuring 21 of the world's leading experts in mindful parenting. And uh, will you tell us a little bit about it? Sure, sure, sure. And so just a correction, it's now going to be 24 because I just could not stop <laughs> saying yes to these wonderful people. Uh, basically, this is the third of a series uh, that I've been doing. And it's really, um, you know, I think it started out kind of selfishly of just wanting to be talking to some of these amazing uh, people who were either authors or, uh, you know, child psychiatrists or, or occupational therapists, and just to really question them on what are some of the kind of issues that parents are having uh, to, to really enjoy parenting, because I think parenting gets a bad rap. I really think it is a beautiful time in our lives. And I think that uh, we've been told that it's just awful and it's hard and this and that. And I just really want to give parents the joy and the confidence to um, enjoy this time of their lives. 
So I interviewed uh, people in uh, all sorts of disciplines who really their passion is children, is parenting, is the, you know, the, the notion of, of conscious parenting, of really this idea of um, how important it is to connect with our children before we can correct them and that letting go of perfection and all of that. So it's really wonderful conversations that I've had the opportunity to have. So for our diehard listeners who listen on the day our episode is released, which is a lot of you, the summit starts tomorrow. It starts on Wednesday, September 21st. So uh, check it out. And it's again, it's 24 days and I'll be sharing the links on my uh, Facebook page at Atomic Moms, on Twitter, on our atomicmoms.com website, on our newsletter. You must check it out. Also, I feel so honored that I get to be a part of this summit. So if any of you all are curious about what I've learned over the almost 100 episodes of Atomic Moms, and uh, if you're kind of curious what I actually look like when I'm talking, because <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what I look like, I think. I mean, sort of on Instagram, but no one's really seen me animated. Yeah, that's a good point. You get you get to see it. Animated is probably the right word. And that was a very fun interview. So thank you for being part of it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for everything today. I have uh, so much. I'm excited for tomorrow morning. I yeah. have. Uh, I got. I gotta go get it. Buy a stool. I'm going to go buy Ikea. a stool. Yeah. Ikea. Yeah. And I, I, did, I didn't really finish my whole, all the suggestions for the routine, but we can, we can follow up on that. But it's, oh, it's, everyone's really... going to want to know. Maybe we can follow it up with a, oh, I could add it to our newsletter. Would you be willing okay. to share that? Okay. Sure. There? Sure. Okay, great. Sure. Sure. That'd be great. Um, so Perfect. everybody go to atomicmoms.com, sign up for our newsletter, and you will hear the rest of the tips for our morning routine. And maybe I will document uh, Sabrina and me doing them. Uh, our mom bomb today, which is an inspirational quote that we find helpful in our lives, it comes from Dr. Montessori, and it is, the things he sees are not just remembered, they form a part of his soul. So thank you all so much. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms.